As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to a new Ancient Warfare series. Um, we're going to um, find, we found a way, we think, to make uh, your uh, your life a little bit more interesting, or um, perhaps we can just bore you to sleep. <laughs> Give you a taste of Ancient Warfare in only a minute or two. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do a series of uh, very short podcasts, maybe five to ten minutes. It's called Ancient Warfare Answers, and the idea is that we answer a question that um, hopefully we can manage to answer in five to ten minutes. Uh, and you can send us questions. We can send them to me. Um, uh, I'm the editor, by the way, Jasper Orthaus, and uh, with me is Murray Dahm, my assistant editor. And you can reach us uh, via editor at ancient-warfare.com, or you can post a comment here or on the website whenever it appears there. Um, let us know your questions, and we'll, we'll try to answer them. And if it works, we'll, we'll try to do one every week. So, um, Murray, you've got a question. Yes. I've, got, I've got a question for you. Um, right. How did ancient generals learn their craft? Did they just spring up out of the head of Zeus and were inspired by Athena, or was there more going on there? Well, well, of course, they would say yes, um, that that's exactly how it happened, that they came out of nowhere and they were just uh, geniuses from birth. Um, or, or, of course, that uh, a god slept with their mother, that gets done too. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the, the both ancient Greece and ancient Rome had ways of teaching their generals how to, to ply their craft. Um, the first thing, of course, was experience in the field. You know, both the, especially the Roman system had a, sort of an apprenticeship where you would learn what to do um, and, you know, observe what experienced centurions would be up to. Um, and in the Greek system, you had that as well, that they were sort of being trained by men who knew what they were about. And at the same time, uh, there's word of mouth. And in, in the ancient Greek world, we have hoplomachia, who are sort of tutors in how to fight. Um, most of them, unfortunately, in the in the surviving evidence, are charlatans, and they get shown that they're actually not very good at what they're what they're proclaiming that they can teach. But both um, Xenophon and Plato include them in their ideal state as you know trainers of, of young men. So so that sort of is what happens first. Then, of course, you have uh, that young men went through drill um, when they were when they were very young, especially when they turned eighteen in, in the Greek world. Uh, they would under, undergo the Ephebe training or the Spartan Agogate training as well. And once they'd done their training, then they were ready to, to you know, serve as hoplites or uh, in the Roman world, they would obviously go through training when, they'd, when they had enlisted. So then you've got this really interesting aspect of generals starting to write down their experiences into handbooks so that they can say, this is how you'd be a general. 
Um, and we've got about 15 of those handbooks that survive, um, basically beginning with mid fourth century BC. And then after Alexander, they really start to take off and they cover all sorts of peculiar aspects of, of warfare, all the way from this is how you marshal troops to this is how you psychologically prepare to be the best general. Um, this is how you maintain sort of discipline in the field and all sorts of things like that. There's, there's a, a whole range of genres that cover that sort of material. And then you have uh, generals who ha have come up through the ranks. So they've, they've learned their craft through doing rather than reading. And they start to abuse the generals who've only learned their generalship through books. Um, so you've got, you've got someone like Cicero, who's not known to be a, a general, but he did command troops in the field um, when he's governor of Cilicia. And he gets sent all these books and he thanks the people who send him the books. Um, and then, of course, he's the sort of person that would be abused by Amarius, for instance, as being a general who's, who's only sort of learned their craft through, through reading. Um, you then get the sort of, the, the sort of handed-down knowledge um, we think that there are a sort of breviaria that are handed down from Augustus on about, you know, where your troops are, what to do with them and things like that. The problem is, of course, most of these surviving pieces of literature aren't written by generals. We've got one by Xenophon. Uh, we've got another one by Aeneas Tacticus, who was probably a general in the fourth century BC. But most of the ones that we've got are by philosophers or armchair generals who are writing these tactica on Greek uh, phalanx tactics hundreds of years after the phalanx fell out of use and yet they still get asked for you know Trajan's reading them um, and you know when when Trajan's reading them for his Parthian campaign in a hundred and you know the 110s AD that's 300 and something years since the last phalanx was seen so it's very hard to see what insights they got um, in fact uh, one of the most remarkable is that the, the, the great, I'll probably mispronounce his name, um, but uh, the, the Dutch reformers of, of warfare in the 16th century were reading them as well, and they were taking inspiration from these tactica into how to reform uh, musket vol volley fire, and that's, what, that's how we get the, the volley fire and then eventually lines of musketeers uh, which is remarkable, and he got that from reading one of these philosoph philosophical, philosophical treatises. So there's all those ranges. You've got the, the the born to it, who were probably lying about how much training they underwent. You've got uh, you've got the training in the field and being a general through experience. Um, someone like you know Pompey the Great, um, who doesn't go through the normal political career, but is is reading these books and is in the field being a general. Um, you've got generals who are you know book bound only um, whether they're any good or not we're not sure there are some like Philippoman and Pompey who we're told read every night they read books on strategy um, and they are also very successful in the field you've got others like a Julius Caesar who where did it come from from experience and then he just sort of pops up and he's amazing you've also got generals like Alcibiades who just seem to be born to it uh, and also there's you know there's the idea that uh, some PR going on, because when Julius Caesar tells us how great a ge general he is, it's his book that survives. Um, and Alcibiades, you know, people ignore Thrasybulus and, and all of Alcibiades' colleagues, um, because Alcibiades is the more attractive option, if you like. Um, so there's, there's a whole range of ways that generals learn their craft, 
The unfortunate thing, of course, is that the only way you can prove them is to be a successful general. If you've read every book there is to do, done all the training and lose every battle uh, or lose one battle, you, you know, who's going to remember? Whereas you've got to be successful and win. That's, that's how you uh, make sure that your training is the best. Thank you. I think that works. There you go. Seven <laughs> minutes. Oh, couldn't get it in five. That's yeah, nice in the no middle chance. between five and ten minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back um, in a week or so. See you later. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.